Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Wayne Jones, the National Nuclear Security Administration's Chief Information Officer and Associate Administrator for Information Management. Wayne, thank you uh, so much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. So it's been quite a while since I've had the NNSA CIO on the program, so there's a ton to catch up with. I'm going to start with some older priorities, if, if you will. I think the last time I had your predecessor on, uh, Mr. Osborne, it was we talked about modernizing infrastructure. So let's just catch start right there. How are you guys doing with that infrastructure initiative? And obviously the cloud of cloud programs at the time was, was a big deal. Where are we now with the cloud computing more generally? Six years have been a long time, as you said, and we all took an initiative back then to improve communications and collaboration for the NNSA employees, uh, and also strengthening cybersecurity as well as realizing any cost savings that we could get at that time. Those themes still exist uh, today as we work. Uh, we are planning on doing a lot of things in the future, but I'm going to try to cover some of the things that you brought up about Cloud of Cloud and the things that we did, uh, we were doing at the time you talked to Mr. Osborne. Yeah, actually, to get to your question about where we are on the office, the program office has matured over those years, the past six years, uh, and we have become more involved in supporting, uh, enabling, and securing in NSA mission areas a little further along than we were back six years ago as it relates to both IT and cybersecurity. Logical infrastructure modernization is a key element to our IT modernization plans that we have for going forward. One that uh, we probably will not stop working on anytime soon on the near future. As innovation and security evolve at a rapid speed, as you know, over the past six years, in my opinion, NSA has come a long ways. We've learned uh, that an enterprise uh, such as NNSA and DOE must work hard and together to fully drop onto a cloud-based technology infrastructure. With that said, let me say that uh, we have a very good understanding of what the activities, what activities have to happen in order for us to get there, and we are moving in that direction. As it relates to it, uh, innovation and improvements, and improvements in the commercial industry during the, during this time, the gov government agencies must better understand products and services that, that deliver the cloud services to us and to our employees and customers. We also have new regulations uh, requiring us to move in those directions, such as FATARA, the MGT Act, uh, that gives CIOs authorities that we didn't have in previous years. And that has presented both an opportunity and a challenge for my organization. Now, I know we'll get to FATARA and MGT, I think, maybe later on, as when we talk a little bit about governance and how you work with Energy Department CIO Max Everett. But before we do that, let me back up a little bit. You, you talked about the office's maturity. You talked about both cyber and IT modernization plans. Where are you guys now with this infrastructure? Do you, you feel like you have a better infrastructure for, you used to mention, collaboration, communication across uh, NNSA? What kind of infrastructure is it today versus, you know, where it was three, four, five, six years ago? Well, the infrastructure today is, is uh, a little better than it was back then, right? So we're in the process of modernizing that, that current infrastructure. We haven't completed that modernization process yet. We are looking into going into uh, cloud-based uh, or a hybrid cloud-based uh, infrastructure, uh, using Microsoft Azure Stack as our basis for that. 
We have updated our bandwidth to our sites uh, over the past six years. It gives us the capability to use more of the current technologies and tools that are out there. Uh, so overall, our infrastructure is a, little, is a lot stronger on the mission side of the house than it is on the regular commodity IT side of the house, which we are making improvements there as well. And I know we'll talk maybe about those improvements as part of your priorities going forward. The other piece of this, as you talk about, is the innovation and improvements in the commercial industry. Now, the NNSA is in a weird spot, right? I mean, you guys are, deal with some of the most sensitive and most important data that the country has, you know, when it comes to n nuclear security. At the same time, you need to make sure that your, your employees and the people you work with, your contractors, have access to the, the services, the apps, and such. So how are you as the CIO kind of balancing those two, the, the, the give and the take? So what we do a lot in, in my job and in my two deputies that I have with me, we think a lot about where we're trying to take the organization as it relates to uh, technology services for the employees. And what are the, the threats that uh, we face, the cyber threats in the infrastructure, uh, and what has been delivered to us, the supply chain issues that we have. So we have to take a good look at all of that when we're trying to determine what applications, software, hardware uh, that we're going to put in place. And the way we do that is we take uh, we have a supply chain management contractor that we work with. We, we get them to look at some of the, the applications, companies, technologies that we're looking at. And then we make a decision on what best fits into the NSA environment and how that fit will work with uh, our M&O partners that we work with on a daily basis. You mentioned one of my favorite topics recently, supply chain risk management. We hear that it's more and more. Would you just mind giving us maybe a little bit more about how the, the supply chain office and the, and the contractors you work with to ensure that you are, you are protecting the supply chain? So what they do for us is we tell them what uh, application or tool product we're going to look, be looking at, capability, company that we're going to look at. They go out and do an analysis of that company, product, service for us. They come back and give us that information. We then check with our intelligence community and see what they have in place on that uh, that company or product or service. Uh, we get the thumbs up one way or another and then or down, and then we implement that too in place. So a perfect example of that would be Splunk. You know, we, we um, have a large... Um, presence of Splunk in our environment, and we did a lot of research on that company before we made that decision. And it's been very helpful. It gets us great information that we need to make some decisions uh, when we're looking at the threat to the environment. I think you may be the first CIO who I've talked to when, we've, when, when supply chain risk management's come up that actually has that capability on staff. So uh, you, you may get a couple calls from other CIOs asking you how you did it. I think that's a, it's an excellent capability and one that I honestly haven't heard from before. The other piece you brought up in part of this conversation so far is hybrid cloud. Can you talk a little bit more about your thoughts around hybrid cloud? Obviously, are you talking about kind of a government-only cloud and then a public cloud, or are you talking about something else? Well, when we look at it, we have to look at it at two ways, right? There are some applications that we believe that can be put in the public cloud, which is out like Amazon Cloud or Azure Cloud. And uh, then there's also those applications that we have to host internal to our organizations. Uh, and those applications will go in what we call a hybrid cloud. It's an on-prem or on-premise version of a cloud implementation that we have uh, complete control over. We are uh, in control of all the security controls in front of it, and we run those applications in that environment. That gives our employees an opportunity to work in cloud environments, both on-prem and off-prem. 
by having uh, in Amazon, Azure, and then, of course, the Azure Stack, which we use as our, own, our hybrid cloud solution for on-prem applications. One of the things that I hear a lot about is this idea of apps rationalization, this idea of understanding what you have and what can go in the cloud and what can't, and that actually leads us down the path of another old priority, which is around the desktop. So maybe talk a little bit about app rationalization and then also the potential or, or use of a virtual desktop interface VDI. We've done application rationalization for our current, what I would call, mission applications that we use in-house. So we looked at those and decided which ones were able to go into the hybrid cloud solution, which ones were able to be put into a, a public cloud solution. And as you stated, uh, VDI, virtual desktop infrastructure, is also very important to us. And we took a look at that, too. And, in fact, we have implemented uh, the virtual desktop infrastructure within uh, all of NNSA, or most of NNSA, and uh, parts of DOE as well. Uh, it is an environment that allows us to do a lot of different things that to protect our applications and our employees by protecting the application at the back end and allowing the employee to access the application through the virtual desktop instead of having a a thick client environment that he's trying to attach to the application by having the application running on his desktop. And I can only imagine when I've heard people talk about VDI, it also makes cybersecurity a little bit easier, pushing patches, updating the whatever operating system or, or the, uh, the latest version of that application. Is that one of the big benefits you've seen so far? Yeah, that is a huge benefit in that, as I stated earlier, in that it allows us to take care of the cybersecurity stuff at the back end where we have the application on the platform uh, instead of trying to protect the application at the desktop. As you know, a lot of our desktop gives us Internet access. So if it gives us Internet access at the desktop and we have the application there, it becomes more vulnerable. So what we do by pushing it in the back end of the the cloud solution, it allows us to wrap the security tools around the application, around the actual cloud environment, and gives us uh, a better sense of security in place. One of the things about VDI is maybe the basics of how it works. A lot of times I've heard, you know, this idea of VDI on a stick. How does your VDI work? Are you guys, is it a VPN or, or, or how? So we have uh, two solutions in place. There's a VPN solution in place, and then there is also a Citrix solution in place. Uh, so we, our employees get to choose between the two. They can use the, the VPN or the Citrix solution to attach to the back-end applications. And I imagine this means that they could work from anywhere at any time. If you have a laptop and you're in your office, but then you also need to have a meeting upstairs, you can take your laptop and you can plug right in and get to all your the applications, all the data that you need, assuming it's you know unclassified, and, and you have the ability to, to get it from wherever. That is correct. So that is uh, one of the big benefits of having the, the VPN and Citrix solution in place that allows us to work from any place anywhere, anytime. It gives our employees access to the information. If they come through the Citrix or VPN solution, it looks like their desktop when they're sitting in their office. So they are, they have all the, the tools they need in place right in front of them when they're on travel, when they're at home and having to get into the, the system to do some work. Those are very good benefits that we have for our employees. Now, I know you can do VDI without the cloud, but the cloud, I, I'm guessing here, makes VDI that much more beneficial and useful. It's about 
the same either way. The big difference in the, the cloud solution is what it allows us to do since we are pushing everything back to the, the cloud infrastructure behind the hypervisor. It allows us to wrap in those security tools a little tighter. So that's the biggest benefit from the cloud solution is to having the uh, security tools more in our favor of controlling the the access and those type of things. Excellent. Now, Wayne, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue to look at some maybe some older priorities, and then we'll, of course, jump into some new ones eventually. My guest is Wayne Jones, the National Nuclear Security Administration's Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Wayne Jones, the National Nuclear Security Administration's Chief Information Officer. Wayne, before break, we were catching up on some older priorities back from 2012. There's a few others I just wanted to catch up with you with. The first one is uh, at the time in 2012 when I talked to the CIO, integrated communications and potentially even moving to something like voice as a service, uh, I guess commonly referred to today maybe as VoIP. Talk a little bit about what you've done over the last six years around integrated communication capabilities. Well, that's a good news story for us here. We have moved to voice over IP, voice over internet protocol here within NNSA. We've also using Skype for Business as a, a tool is, that allows us to do communication and collaboration with our employees. Uh, it is a tool that allows us to do a lot of work uh, and communicate from our desktop with our fellow employees as we are working on our day-to-day uh, tasks. So we are very pleased with this, with voice over IP as well as uh, Skype for Business as one of the tools that we have in, in our toolkit to use. We are also looking at uh, other tools bringing in uh, related to unified communication that, that will tie all of this together. And when we talk about unified communication, we're talking about bringing in the VTC systems more tightly integrated with our, our computing systems as well. And we do have desktop uh, VTC capability today through the Skype application, but we want to move to other different types of applications as well. And I imagine this was where, when you talked about earlier, the Microsoft Azure stack comes in. Through that stack, you can do this unified communications effort. Is that the, the thought process? That's the thought process, yes. So we, uh, we believe that by bringing this application or this stack in place for us, for NNSA allows us to move the unified communication piece forward faster, uh, and we believe that that will uh, be a great benefit to this organization. What's the strategy around that unified communications as, as it applies to the Microsoft Azure stack? You need to get the Azure stack in place first, and then the, the capabilities come behind it. But what, do you have a time frame? Is there an acquisition we should be aware of? Give me a sense of how this process will work. We have uh, several uh, options to do that. We, uh, For one thing, we have uh, our main IT contract in place today that we could use to bring in the Azure Stack as a, as a way of doing it uh, and having them work with the Microsoft Corporation to get it installed operational for us. Uh, so that's the, the, the strategy is to use our current contracting processes that we have in place, uh, set it all up, uh, get stack, uh, Azure Stack installed, up and operational, add the unified communication piece as a, a next step in the process and as we move forward. So something that's uh, in the works, obviously, though, you know, a lot of vendors do listen to the show, so I'm trying to make your life easier so they all don't start calling you up with their, uh, with their solution around that. The other thing, uh, as we talk about older priorities and, and moving toward unified communications, cybersecurity. Now, that is the, probably the biggest 
priority for every CIO, no matter today or yesterday or six years ago. Uh, one thing that the Energy Department has done differently was the Joint Cyber Operations Center, the, the JSOC, I guess you guys call it. Give me a sense. I know it was just launched a while ago, but but now uh, I've done some some other interviews since then. I know it's, it's really providing a lot of benefits. Talk about how you guys work with the, the JSOC. We, we kind of changed the name last year from uh, the JSOC to the Integrated Joint Cybersecurity Coordination Center, or the IJC3, uh, which is led by the Department CIO's office. Um, Mr. Max Everett is in that office today. We work very closely with them to protect the environment, not only in NSA, but provide them assistance in protecting the whole of the OE environment. Uh, we work very closely together uh, under the under the IJC3. We have there's a governance structure in place that um, Mr. Everett is. Uh, the chair of, and we work very closely to ensure that all of our sites are protected. We share information between the sites. Uh, we make sure that the JC3 provide all external reporting uh, and then and some internal reporting. And then each program works very closely as well with the JC3 to ensure that our systems and applications are protected as well. One of the things about the Energy Department over the years, and I think one of the things that the integrated JC3 is trying to solve is the federated nature, right? And NSA, DOE, and then all the labs. Are you seeing the benefits from everything coming together at this uh, integrated center? So it is starting to uh, show uh, benefits as we begin to pull more and more of the applications together. There is a benefit for uh, all of us there because, as you all know, the weakest link in the process is where all the problems can begin. So if we can boost all of us up to a, a level that of comfort and to ensure that we're protecting the environment. That helps the entire organization. And so that's what the integrated uh, JC3 is supposed to do for us. And it is doing a good job working toward that process. Uh, we are not 100% there yet. We have some work to do, and we are working through some of those things. We believe, though, that this is a, a, an approach that works for the department and that it will show benefit in the long run. And I know through the White House's efforts, the IT modernization and the cybersecurity efforts, they've talked a lot about a, a sort of security operations center as a service or a consolidated one. So you guys seem to maybe be ahead of the curve on that a little bit in terms of, hey, NSA may have your own SOC, but, but at least that data is being fed up to this, this centralized one. You guys, that's, that's kind of how it's working right now? Yeah, that's the... The centralized point today is in Germantown in uh, Maryland. That's where we feed the information to. And then there is report, they are the reporting element for the department, and so they report out from there. Let's talk broad, more broadly about cybersecurity than just the, the, the JC3. Talk as much as you can, because I know there's some sensitivities, but as much as you can about how your approach to cybersecurity. I think I read somewhere where you, you really see quantum computing and big data analytics as really the, the way to, the, of the future. And then, of course, we always have to talk about the continuous diagnostics and mitigation or CDM program. So, uh, Wayne, if you could just start broadly about how else are you, are you ensuring the, the security of NSA's networks and data. We are are heavily invested in cybersecurity for NNSA and protecting the uh, information within NNSA. As I said before, we have security tools that we have in place that we use to ensure that we are protecting the information. We are very into using the CDM program from DHS to ensure that we are get the best value for our tools that we bring in place. As it relates to quantum computing, 
Look, there is, quantum computing is, is something that we all are looking forward to for two reasons. One, it, it would allow us an opportunity to have big data assets that we can, can query through in a, quick, in a quick fashion, right? Two, it is also gives us an opportunity to look at the technologies that we are using to protect the environment, and it allows us to develop new tools that we may have to use to protect some of our environments. As you know, we both have unclassified and classified environments environments here within NNSA. So when we're looking at those type of capabilities coming down the road in the future, that's what we're looking for. How can we use quantum computing to ensure that we're protecting all the environments we need to protect, and how do we ensure that we get the benefit of quantum computing as it rolls out in the future? One of the things when you talk about quantum computing and big data analytics is the proactive defenses, and I think that's the hardest thing, and that's really where agencies want to get toward. Are you guys starting to, to dip your toe into that proactive defenses in some way? Or are you starting to run a pilot? I'm not sure if there's pilots around quantum computing yet, but at least around the big data analysis. So we're looking at some of the things that uh, other companies are doing with uh, big data analysis. Uh, as you know, probably one of the most important things to do is to bring in artificial intelligence. That will give us a big opportunity to see some different things in big data as we go forward. All right, very cool. I know there's a lot of talk about AI, and of course, AI and quantum computing and, and all this big data analysis can only happen because of that magic word, the cloud, too. I think that's playing a big role. Uh, and, and going back to CDM real quick, where are you guys at with the implementation of CDM? I, I know you're part of the energy department more broadly, but phase one, have you entered, started to do phase two yet? So the issue is uh, with CDM within the department is, is the way we agreed to implement it, uh, phase one. When we implemented phase one, we took a um, small approach to that. And matter of fact, we only implemented it in one piece. So we are in the process of we're doing catch-up, actually, right? So we are catching up in phase one. We are in phase two now. We're looking at phase three. We are also looking at many of the tools that we currently have in place and how those tools fit into the CDM program. Uh, so many of the tools that we use today fit into the program in one way or another. Uh, so I would say that as it relates to CDM, we probably across uh, NNSA, we are probably about 80% of the capability uh, ran from CDM across all of NNSA. All right, that's good news because I know one of the big changes that DHS and GSA, who acts as the procurement arm, has been doing is saying, okay, if you have some tools in place, why replace them with these tools, just because these are the tools that were predetermined, if they meet the needs, they meet the needs. I think that's been one of the, the one of the big challenges with CDM is is agencies don't want to give up their tools, but it's been taking so long to get those new tools in. Do, do you feel pretty good about the the fact is that you're able to connect to dashboards and and feed the data and, and do all those things you need to do with those current set of tools? Yeah, we do. We feel very very good about that. And as you said, you stated, you know, that was one of the early issues that we had was bringing in a new tool when we already had tools that at least give us 80, 85% of what they were looking for. And so DHS and have, have begun to look at that. We work with them on that. Uh, so we know that uh, we can provide them the information that they need. Excellent. Very good news. All right, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we can get into maybe some new priorities. My guest is Wayne Jones the National Nuclear Security Administration's Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Wayne Jones, the National Nuclear Security Administration's Chief Information Officer. 
Wayne, we spent the first two segments of the show really talking about older priorities back from 2012. Uh, I know you've mixed in a few new ones, but let's just jump right in and talk about what you're trying to get done over the next six or nine months. So one of the things that uh, we're working on uh, is IT modernization. All CIOs are working on that today. Uh, but for us, it, it falls in two areas, both our unclassified environment and our classified environment. We're using IT mod as a way to implement some of the new capabilities that we would like to put in place, on both in our classified and unclassified environments. And that's one that we're working on. We're also doing some infrastructure updates in our classified environment as well. So those are the two biggest elements that we have going on for projects in FY19 and going forward. Let me back up now. I'm not sure how much you can talk about in the classified world, but at least in the unclassified world, what are some of those IT modernization capabilities you're looking at? We're looking at uh, moving to uh, different uh, email systems from the cloud services, of course. We're looking at um, moving all our applications, our standard work applications into a cloud version. A lot of this deals with us uh, following the mandate from from OMB to move to cloud first, right? And so we're doing those type of things, moving all of applications uh, so we can get them into a cloud uh, environment and then working from there, uh, including our desktop uh, going mostly to VDI as our desktop infrastructure, updating our VT, VTC capabilities. Uh, those are the type of things that we're doing uh, as it relates to modernizing the NSA infrastructure over the next six to nine months. Now, the cynical part of me says you're just going down the path of cloud now. What took so long? What were some of the holdups? Did you guys pilot before and, and it's just a matter of getting comfortable or what? Well, yeah, we did some pilots before. It is a matter of getting comfortable. Well, for many years, we worked in a an on-prem infrastructure where everything was at your desktop. Uh, so we had to work through those processes. We ran some pilots to show that we could do the work, uh, that the work could be done as we go into the cloud infrastructure. Uh, and so getting people comfortable with having to work in a different fashion. Uh, it's a culture change as well. And I think that's a big piece of it. But what about the security side? I know we've talked about cybersecurity, but what about the security side of the cloud? Is it, is it the maturation that you've seen within FedRAMP and some of the stuff, the work that DOD has done around cloud security? Does that also give you more confidence? Yes, it does. You know, we, we take a, a good look at what DOD's done. We think they are going in the right direction. We uh, believe that that will allow us to, it actually allowed us to move forward in some things a little faster than we thought we would be able to. Uh, so all of the work that's been done, not only by the government agencies, but some of the commercial companies as well, as well have allowed us to move some of these things faster. Uh, so we, we believe we are now at the time frame uh, in the life cycle of NNSA to move forward in some of these areas. I know we've talked quite a bit about the, the cloud and Microsoft stack, but how much of this is, is going to happen this year? How much of this is, you know, if we talk again, Wayne, next year, are you going to say, you know, 80% of the emails in the cloud and, you know, 30% of the applications are in the cloud? Do you have specific timeframes and goals? So we do have that laid out in a roadmap that we're working on. Uh, we believe that about this time next year, we will have some of those things laid out for you. And if we talk back again, then we will be able to do that. All right, well, I already tell you, you're yeah. always invited to come on the show, so yeah. we, can, we can always do that again. And then generally speaking, the roadmap you're talking about, is that something that you think will be made public, or is that like, a, like an IT strategy, or is that something for internal use only? So the roadmap is internal use only. We, we do publish an IT strategy, and IT strategy will have some of the information in it. 
All right, because as I mentioned earlier, I know a lot of vendors do listen, so we're trying to right. save you some save you some <laughs> hassle. All right, uh, we've talked about VDI, we've talked about VTC as well. Are there some other things you're looking at, or whether it's around data analytics or tools to do that, or are you looking at any any other kind of some of the, the emerging technologies? You mentioned AI earlier. There's a whole lot about robotics process automation and, and blockchain, and you can name all the buzzwords. Yeah, there's a lot of buzzwords out there today. We haven't uh, focused a lot on those. We are trying to keep our focus on the things that we really would like to complete this this next year, year and a half. We have looked at some of the uh, AI stuff, though. We, we're looking at starting some of that work later on in the year. All right, something to look forward to and maybe follow up with you. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was FATARA, the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act. You mentioned also the Modernizing Government Technology Act as part of uh, the, the push from the administration to modernize uh, legacy systems. One of the key pieces to that is your work with Max Everett, the Department of Energy's CIO. Maybe talk a little bit about the governance structure. Again, I'll refer back to something I said earlier. With all the laboratory CIOs, NNSA, DOE, there's been a very federated approach to governance previously. But my understanding is things are, are coming together and becoming less decentralized. The governance structure is what we have. We call the Information Governance Board that we've put in place. I sit on there. Uh, Max is the chair, of course. And we have all the program offices have their IT leads on there as well. Uh, so those, that working group is the, the key to pulling all this together. And then, of course, we have the M&O CIOs as part of, of that working group as well. They come in. We meet on a uh, quarterly basis. We have discussions about uh, different things. Uh, we have working groups that we meet on a monthly basis to bring stuff up to the board to, di to discuss. Uh, we make some decisions there, and we go forward. So working closely with Max and his team have allowed us to be able to do some of the things that we want to do uh, as a whole for the department. And we are moving, uh, becoming a, a more um, closely integrated department than we have in the past, as you know. One of the things that comes up several times is Fatara, the uh, understanding that does the CIO have a seat at the table. From your perspective at NSA, how often are you meeting with your your CXO counterparts, the acquisition folks, the finance folks, the HR folks, and, and talk a little bit about the impact Fatara maybe has had at NSA. I think Fatara has had a, a pretty good impact to it at NSA. Of course, we're working through some of the implementation strategies across uh, NSA, but the one good thing is that I am at the table with the, the CFOs, the CEO, if you want to call her that, the administrator, deputy administrator, and the other program leads are the associate administrators for and deputy administrators for NNSA. We uh, we meet. I have a staff meeting every Monday. We have budget discussions uh, in these groups. We have a management council that I'm a, a member of. Uh, so the CIO in the NNSA is thought of highly and is also wrapped into the the leadership team uh, within NNSA. And how does that flow as well up to the DOE CIO Max Everett? Do you, for instance, when, when there's an investment that you want to make, do you go up to him and say, hey, Max, here's what we're thinking. How does that relate to what you're thinking? Can you describe that relationship a little bit? Yeah, that, that's right on how it works. We 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 work very closely together. We uh, ensure that Max is a part of our investment board that we have here. He are a rep from his office. Uh, he is also invited to attend any of our budget discussions as we lay out the budget. Um, and so we do those type of things. All right, I think that's good. I think you know, there's a lot of focus time and again on 
governance and issues and, and what we've seen so many times from recent Fatara hearings that the people, the CIOs who are most successful are the ones that are, are, are play a major role in that governance and, and oversight side. So obviously good to hear. I want to move over to, to another big topic that I hear a lot of CIOs talk about, which is uh, innovation and digital services. You spoke in the beginning a lot about innovation, but m- maybe talk about from your role as CIO, how you promote that more broadly to the mission areas. You know, I'm on the management council. I'm a lot, I give briefings to our leadership here on the, in the mission areas. We work very closely with our mission partners here at NNSA. Uh, I am the CIO for most of their IT activities, uh, so they run a lot of those things through me. They have to get approval from me, as you know, through Fatara. Uh, so we do. We work very close with our mission partners here at NNSA. So we're on top of the, those things with them. We work all the different projects through with them that they need to get done to meet their mission. Uh, and as we say in NNSA, it is my uh, responsibility to deliver them the IT services and cybersecurity uh, that they need to do their mission. Do you get a sense that there's, you know, because you guys are kind of, if you will, if you'll forgive me, a little bit late to the cloud, that there is a culture change piece of, of understanding that, hey, we can be innovative, we could be agile, we could be iterative when it comes to software development. Is that something that you also are, are kind of pushing up against? Not really, because I, uh, we, we've been pretty lucky. I have a great communication team that works for me, uh, that works a lot of these issues with the with our teams out in the field and here in the headquarters. And so they they build a trust. And so people know that when we come out and talk about things that we're trying to do, we, they understand that we're really working for them to get stuff for them to do their job. And I think once you lay that out for folks and they understand that you're there to help them uh, do their mission, those issues go away and you begin to work closely together. I hear a lot of CIOs talk about a customer relationship, customer service office and, and the like. So I think that's exactly the type of thing you're talking about is, is hey, we're here to work for you, not you for us, so to speak. And, I, and that makes a big difference. You're right. We sort of make it a partnership. Uh, we try to say we're here as a partner with you, uh, not a customer or service relation type thing, but a, a partner to help you uh, get your mission done. Yeah, it's amazing how change in words just makes such a big difference. Yep. Wayne, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can finish up our conversation. My guest is Wayne Jones, the National Nuclear Security Administration's CIO. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Wayne Jones, the National Nuclear Security Administration's Chief Information Officer. Wayne, before break, we're talking a fair amount about your relationship with the DOE CIO, Max Everett. We also talked quite a bit about cybersecurity. Just uh, talk a little bit about how you guys are working together uh, above and beyond just, you know, hey, we know they're there and there's a governance board, but you guys are collaborating a little more closely than maybe what we've seen, you know, in years past. Yes, we are. We we collaborate quite a bit together. In fact, that uh, one of the things we are heavily collaborating on is the enterprise email system that we decided that um, both of us have sort of a different uh, flavor that we need to put forth. Uh, and so we decided that we should have two tenants of email, one uh, at a less 
uh, lesser security level than we in the NSA require for our stuff. So Max and I are working very closely on it. In fact, one of the things that we should highlight is the DOE Cyber Conference. Um, this is the venue where we come together uh, to discuss many other things that's going on in DOE. Uh, we bring our MNO partners in uh, and our other partners, the PMAs, uh, come in as well, and we talk about the different things that we want to do for the organization uh, moving forward. This is uh, a venue that allows all of us to get together and talk about where we're trying to get to in the future, uh, where we're trying to take the organization, how we're trying to modernize um, commodity IT and mission IT within uh, DOE as a whole. So that is a great venue to, for us to do all that type of work in. Now that's DOE Cyber Conference actually just happened earlier this week, right, Wayne? <laughs> That is correct. We just had it this week. Uh, it was a great venue. Uh, we had a good time, and I think we walked away with a lot of things that we can work on together. Well, excellent. I know that as these things get put together and, and, and the strategy part is sometimes uh, as important as bringing people together in the same room and understand, hey, yeah, you're the guy who I talked to on the phone, or you're the girl who uh, answered my question. I think that's probably uh, three-quarters of the benefit sometimes getting together, too. I agree with that. I think when we can meet face-to-face -face like that and have those discussions, so put a face with a name, that, that is a great benefit, and then it gives you someone to always reach back to as well. One of the other priorities that, that you didn't bring up, but I'm going to see if what's going on around is around mobility. There's a lot of talk about mobile apps and mobile computing, and, and on top of that, there's we all think everyone has a smartphone, but not everybody does, especially when you talk about you know someone like NNSA that has a classified environment. How is mobility maybe playing a role into some of your modernization efforts? Mobility is key to our modernization effort uh, in two ways, and we'll talk about both of them a little bit here. So let's talk about the unclassified environment first, where it is very heavily used as it relates to NNSA and the work that we do. It allows us to carry our laptops, our phones, and do our work on, read email anywhere, do, any, do work anywhere. It is also important to us in our classified environment. We do do some mobility. It's not a great deal uh, because there's the, the – the products and services aren't quite um, secure enough yet to allow us to do as much work as we would like to do. But I think with some of the work that's been done on the Department of Defense side of the house, that we will someday be able to take uh, advantage of would allow us to bring some of those mobility capabilities into our classified environment. And we're looking forward to that. But on the unclassified side, as I said, we we take great advantage of mobility there. Uh, it allows us to do a lot of work. Uh, I think our employees are happy that they are able to use mobility uh, to get some work done and be able to work any place, anytime, anywhere. When you talk about the classified side, DOD's had some luck using some hardened mobile devices. You said you've started to look at some of the work that DOD do has done. Any, any pilots or any uh, prototypes you're looking at for either the classified side or at least the secret side of the of the unclassified? side? Well, we we haven't followed them closely yet in that, so we are we are trying to see what they're doing, and and we're just still working with them on that. We haven't really gotten a great deal of work done with them yet in that area. Okay, so obviously something that maybe is is, is a little further out on your priority list. Uh, Wayne, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're almost out of time. Uh, last couple of questions. One revolves around the workforce. One, one big issue is ensuring that your workforce has the skill sets that it needs. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how you're ensuring the training and that, you know, as you move to the cloud, as you uh, add more cyber tools, as you look at quantum computing, that your the workforce is, is ready to handle all those things? 
Yes, that's a great question. Uh, look, we 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 do a lot for training uh, to our workforce, uh, especially our IT and cyber team. We make sure that they are 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 up to date on the things that they need to be up to date on, and are able to address many of the issues that we face as we're moving forward. We're also in the process uh, within in an NSA. We're in the process of ensuring that we provide that same type of training to all of our employees to make sure they understand where we're trying to go, what we're trying to do what innovation as it relates to technology can do for them. And that's, as I mentioned earlier about my communication team that I have on staff, they have done a great job in helping us do that. Uh, so we are in the process of doing all of those things, making sure the employees are educated, making sure they are trained, and we are uh, in NSASF stepped back a couple of years ago and decided that they were going to invest in the employees, and they have done that. And I think too often employees are not invested upon and then all of a sudden you end up looking at contractors for more and more help is there an area that if you could hire a couple people right away that you'd have some openings for i mean cybersecurity is an easy one but are, are there some others well uh, i think as we looking and going into the uh, cloud environment some of our it folks we would we would look for a couple of people to have uh, a a uh, more diverse background with cloud computing so that would be helpful to us as we go forward and, and i know that the office of personal management just announced potentially uh, extending some direct hire authority in those areas too so maybe that's something that you guys will be able to, to touch upon in the, in the near future and, and speaking of your office just real quick uh, g discuss the makeup of your office so in case if people aren't quite familiar with the, your uh, your cio's office how many employees and and, and if you can talk maybe a little bit about your it budget uh, so I can talk a little bit about that. We have approximately 34 federal employees in the uh, in the department, and our IT budget ranges from between 30 to 60 million dollars. And it all depends on what you're working on, right? Uh, yes. All right. Well, that's a great segue to the last question. Uh, as I said, Wayne, this has been a fascinating conversation, but we're almost out of time. Uh, as I mentioned a couple times, I know vendors listen to the program. Can you give me a sense of, of how you like to work with vendors? What should they know about working with your office? Well, when it comes to vendors and working with our office, there's, there's a couple of things I look at. One, I look at what are they bringing to the table and what are they in the products and services they bring to the table. How does that integrate with the products and services that I already have in-house? Because what I don't want to do or want to, don't want to get in the trap of doing is switching on a product just for a product. We have to make sure that whatever we bring forth, integrate into what we're currently doing, uh, integrate with the products and services that we have in-house uh, and as we go forward. And then the vendor, uh, how adapt is he or she at integrating those products and services uh, as a whole to us and bringing one mission together. Those are the type of things we look at when we talk, we talk to our, uh, the vendor community. And generally speaking, are you a CIO that takes meetings, that, 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 that takes phone calls, or is your recommendation that you have people on your staff that you kind of would, would are better off to, to handle those requests from vendors? Well, it depends on uh, the, the product or services that they're looking at because in some cases there, is, there may be somebody on my staff who is more adapt to discuss it with you, and in other cases I will be the person that we would want to talk to. But in all cases we want to do, go through the federal process. Excellent. Very good advice. Uh, Wayne, this has been just a fascinating conversation. I've learned a lot, and I really do appreciate your time. So I will thank my guest, Wayne Jones. He's the National Nuclear Security Administration's Chief Information Officer and the Associate Administrator for Information Management. Wayne, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on FederalNewsRadio.com, 1500 AM.
You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Subscribe to this show on Podcast One or iTunes. 